Newstalk1290.com. This is the morning show on News Talk 1290. Here are Ken Eastwood and Lisa Brandt. It is 746. This is the all-new morning show with Ken and Lisa. And we introduce you to our roundtable brought to you by Metropolitan Maintenance, voted London's best cleaning service for the fifth year in a row. Visit metromaintenance.ca. A familiar voice here, Jill Ellis Worthington from Right On Communications. Good morning. Good morning. And Heather Rivett, Fundraising and Engagement Coordinator for Habitat for Humanity. You've got a big night tonight, and you've got a big night Friday night, Jill. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, let's get you to our breakfast question. And, of course, the texts are coming in at 10, 12, 90 to win those uh, tickets for preseason action at Budweiser Gardens. The question is, it comes from German Research. Uh, life satisfaction peaks for the first time at age 23 and again at another age. Heather, what time do you think or what age do you think the second time is? Um, my first thought went to retirement, so I'm thinking 65-ish. Okay. And Jill? I was thinking more probably mid-40s because the kids are grown up. You yeah. have a little time to yourself. That's what I was thinking. Oh, 45. Okay. Ken said 47. Ryan said 42. We've got all sorts of uh, texts here. 50, 65, 54, 53, 47, 40, 62. All over the place. 45. Uh, Ryan, someone who went to Fanshawe with you, says 45 was a good year. Okay. Yeah, indeed. It's 69. Really? They say wow. 69. <laughs> so you've retired, you've gotten into a groove, I guess, and everybody's settled where they are, and uh, hopefully uh, things are, are going well for us. So 69, I don't know if we got any correct ones that came in. I, I can't scroll that quickly. We got so many, but uh, but Ryan will take care of that. And uh, if they're all, oh, we did. We got Matt at 69. Hey. And uh, we'll have to see if there were any others as well to uh, win those tickets from uh, Budweiser Garden. So let's move on to our roundtable discussion now. Would Would both of you be okay if we installed some sort of a mechanism in your car, in everybody's car, to determine whether you were impaired before you can start it up, what do you say, Heather? Yes, You'd I absolutely right would be okay with that. All right, and that's probably because you don't drink or do drugs and drive. Yes. Nice. Yes, Jill. <laughs> I think it would be a good idea. There are uh, good tests um, for uh, drinking and driving, but not for doing drugs and driving. So it would be a more objective way to measure that. Now, Ken um, didn't think it was a great idea, yeah. not because he likes to drink or do drugs no. and drive, but because... Uh, it just It's contrary to our whole innocent until proven guilty thing, though, isn't it, Heather? Don't you find it objectionable to be presumed guilty before you even set foot in your vehicle? I don't think it's there's the presumption of guilt. It's, uh, you know, taking responsibility and, you know, being accountable before you put the key in the ignition and keeping other people safe. I mean, the same way that seatbelts were once optional, they're not anymore because it's been proven that those save lives. So if this is something that could save lives, uh, you know, obviously not everyone's going to be on board, but uh, if it could save lives, I think that it would be great. We are not getting a handle on drinking and driving, according to the latest stats. They're way up, and now with uh, being checked for impairment by drugs, um, you know, a reaction has been mixed on text. Some people have said, yeah, they do it. Some have said, no, they think it's kind of invasive, but um, I'm all for it. If we can uh, just speak to the manufacturers, please, Ken, would you mind making a call? <laughs> sure, I can do that for uh, you. Not a problem, but I... Uh, that's you won't the agree with me. <laughs> well, and that's the other big stumbling block. The manufacturers would just say, absolutely not. We're not doing that because it, it's... Well, a, then we won't sell your cars. <laughs> well, that, then we won't put your cars on the market. That's just one extra thing that they would have to... They'd have to do with their vehicles and 
that I can't see any manufacturer who would want to do that. People oh, well. would be disabling them, and it could just—it would really—it would probably be a nightmare for them. But mm-hmm. by the same token, with the aging population and our reflexes slowing down and that sort of thing, and if people are impaired, it just magnifies that. So it does seem like something should be done. It's whatever we're doing certainly isn't working. It's not convincing people to stop doing it. That's for sure. Do you do uh, any cursive handwriting, uh, Jill? Do you still write anything besides maybe a check signature? Or? Is there anything left to write? Um, I, you know, grocery lists and that sort of thing, and then you have to decipher them. Oh, that's what I wondered. <laughs> so my <laughs> handwriting is terrible because... Uh, Join the club. It's just, I write too fast, that sort of thing. So I much prefer when I take notes for work and that sort of thing. I do use the computer. Yeah. What about you, Heather? Um, I was raised to do handwritten thank you notes, and I still do handwritten thank you notes to this day, personally and professionally. Yeah, so, so. do I, but they just don't look like I'm saying thank you. <laughs> That's the problem. It looks like, I mean, it's like, is this a ransom note? I'm not sure what this is. It's very bad. But the uh, Ken noticed the Google Doodle this morning is in honor of the man who invented the ballpoint pen. Ladislao Jose Biro, who invented the uh, pen, was born on this day 117 years ago. Do, do you? Heather, do you have a, like a really good ballpoint pen that you use for those those notes? You know, I don't, but my husband does. Ah. <laughs> so he's very particular. He he likes the ones that you know the ink flows very freely, and so I usually borrow his. Well, honestly. that's it's good that you get it's good that you keep doing that though, yeah. because I think that's how you lose it is mm-hmm. by not using it. Absolutely. And if you keep practicing at it and keep something you keep doing, then good on you to, to keep it alive. It always starts out really well. It depends on how long the note is. By the end, sometimes then it's the chicken scratch. <laughs> well, yes, we called we, we came up with a word this morning, handmana, uh, stamina for your hand, <laughs> because it just doesn't seem to last like it used to. And that's something that drives me a little crazy. I should ask for a good pen for Christmas. Because if I do do some good writing and then a blob of ink comes out, it's like, mm. oh, no, it's a big deal anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's just not that easy to write anymore. Uh, keyboards, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm just going to text you. Yeah, just, well, you do. And that's a good <laughs> thing. Yeah, we put our, our signatures on uh, Twitter and, um, yeah, they're, they're rather embarrassing. Uh, we got a text from somebody saying, get ready to pay more for Timmy's now that we're talking about... Uh, minimum wage going up by another 15 cents and do you think it's going to make a difference for people will it will it make a difference um if minimum wage goes up this little bit we go up in increments of course but uh is it is it worth doing is it helpful how do you feel it's going to play out in the marketplace i know uh jill you you have employees so if you had employees you were paying minimum wage i'm not asking you how it works in your line of work but if you did would this do you think it would hurt you well, I have contract staff, so that's kind of a different thing. But um, I think as a very small business uh, person that it it would have an impact. I don't think 15 cents would have a huge impact, but you compi- compound that over a couple of years where it goes up. So by the if that goes up uh, 15 cents a year every year for three years, all of a sudden it's 50 cents more. So mm. I think that could have an impact. But conversely... Uh, you know, knowing people that work for minimum wage, I, you know, more power to them. So I'm willing to pay a little bit more for my Timmy's. So are you, Heather? I, I completely agree. Um, working at Habitat, we s- see a lot of families that are just making ends meet, and a lot of them are working the minimum wage jobs. And so the, the little bit extra, while it may seem an inconvenience to us if our coffee prices go up, but uh, I, I think it's worth it personally. Is, is the 15 cents an hour, though, really going to make that big of an impact for those families? But you have to start somewhere. 
you know? I mean, if you try to raise it a dollar, that's that's not happening. Not so, if you do it overnight. No, no exactly. Yeah. So Ken has a, a, an opinion you, you put out here earlier that minimum wage is low to kind of, um, how, do, how would you put it, Ken, to inspire say, you to? Yeah, minimum wage is there for a reason. It's to be the minimum amount that you're legally allowed to pay someone. It doesn't necessarily mean that that should be your end goal. Your goal should be to start at minimum wage and work your way out of that. If if you're making minimum wage a, a year after you started making minimum wage, maybe you're doing something wrong. Or maybe there aren't the opportunities out there for you to move into something else. That that would be my answer. You know, it's it, in an ideal world, yes, we would start at minimum wage and then we would work up from there. But a lot of people find themselves not able to get ahead and having to work more than one of those minimum wage jobs because they're not full time. So. Did you uh, did you hear about the Syrian refugee? Who have you met any of our Syrian refugees in London yet? Have we? Have you had a chance? Not personally. Okay. But, uh, uh, the Syrian refugee in Guelph saved a wedding day because he is a tailor, and the zipper broke on the on the gown, and he was living four four doors away, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, came to their rescue and has made a really good first impression. He was a tailor in Syria for for thirty years. Um, there's no real question here. It, because uh, obviously it w- this is wonderful that that uh, that this gentleman was found, but you don't know who's living down the street from you and uh, what they can do to help your life unless you get to know your neighbors. I don't know my neighbors that well. I don't know if you guys do. It's weird. We don't live in a, a neighborhood where people are all that overly friendly and... I mean, I know who's next door, but that's about it. Um, I know a fair amount of my neighbors. When we first moved in, uh, we were painting before we moved everything in, and we didn't have anywhere to sit, so we went out on the front porch, and we met a lot of our neighbors. (laughs) I also live in Old East, which has a very active Facebook group community, Mm -hmm. and so I've met a lot of my neighbors virtually, maybe not in person yet, but then uh, they just had their uh, one of their AGMs last night, and so you have a lot of opportunities in some of the communities here in London to get out and meet your neighbors which is what I really like about the city. You have uh, energetic people who want to facilitate that. Do you in your neighborhood, Jill? Uh, I'm also fortunate to live in one of the areas of the city that we consider a porch community, and um, people do know each other. Uh, The neighbors on my street all get together twice a year, Christmas and um, Labor Day, and do like a little... um, party or picnic or something like that so I have met a few of them and it it does inspire a more of a feeling of safety knowing that there are people I could go to if I had that sort of emergency and that sort of thing I think maybe though the suburbs where you have a little stoop and not a porch or in in my neighborhood people walk dogs I'm I'm an exception of my neighborhood I don't have a, a dog but everybody else walks their dog and so you do see people a lot on the streets which isn't I don't think true of of all of the the suburbs maybe I have to do something and organize something in my neighborhood then yeah all right, so Jill, you are uh, part of the um, an event going on for Easter Seals in the city Friday night. I am. I'm helping to volunteer to get the word out about a masquerade affair. It's Friday night uh, at uh, the London Music Hall. It's a big gala event, so a chance to dress up, wear a mask, put on your glad rags and get out, see fashions, uh, excitement, uh, musicians, Laura Palumbo's playing, Keith Brown's doing magic. So Mm. it's going to be very exciting, very kinetic, a very swank affair, (laughs) all to benefit uh, Easter Seals. Wonderful. Wood Eden Camp. 
Yeah, and Heather, today's a big day for Habitat. Yes, it is. Tonight we are having our Team Build Challenge information session. We just broke ground on our latest two builds here in London last week, and we're still busy getting teams ready to come out on the build site. So if you're interested in learning more about putting together a team, uh, we've created a challenge around these builds. So we've put together a Made in Canada prize pack. Some prizes have been generously donated from local businesses, 3M, Attic Books, Forest of Flowers, Dundas and & Clark. And so a lot of Incentives. We're also going to have a great uh, wrap party at the end in February when the build's all done, bring the teams all back together, give you a chance to get to know one another. And then uh, as an aside, Monday's a big day. Monday's actually World Habitat Day. So habitats around the world will be commemorating that, uh, recognized by the UN. And uh, we'll have an open house at not only all of the restores, also at our build site. So if you've ever been, never been to a habitat build site, come to 16 Forbes Street. We'll also have an open house. One of our um, Habitat families has generously opened their doors from 11 to 1, so you'll be able to Neat. walk through and see what a Habitat house looks like. Very I will cool. never forget the beam I helped put up. <laughs> you know, there's a personal <laughs> yep. satisfaction in that. Thank you both for being here very much. Thank you. News Thank is you next so with Jody Taylor on News Talk 1290.